Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of The Blast Muay Thai Kickboxing Gym in Madison, Wisconsin, Mark Shaw Evans. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. How about you? I, I am doing great, doing what I love. Uh, excited to hear uh, everything that we can fit into this episode about The Blast. So let's jump into it. Tell us what you're all about there. To be honest, it's it's really easy. Seek death and you control you. <laughs> I keep it pretty uh, simple on that. So what I mean is if the, the one thing we know that we're going to get when we're born is death is for sure coming. And I tell all my students, I tell all my fighters, you have a choice. You can sit around and wait for it or you can live your life fully to the max and seek it and just seek seek it out by living your life. And then I always add in, remember that you control you. So if you don't like something, it's on you to control it, whether it's school, work, whatever it is you're doing, your relationships, whatever. And so those philosophies I bring into our kids class, our adults class, and it's for sure with my fighters. I've trained trained a few people that are uh, that were getting ready for basic training and now they're green berets and come back to the gym. And so I, uh, I take people to, as Max Holloway said, I take people to crazy land very often so it's it's intense with with me quite often awesome so you have a big span from then from general population you know whether it be soccer mom desk worker dad who wants to come in and just do something other than lift weights at the gym all the way to someone who wants to competitively beat people up and really anything in between yeah i have um scientists, high school students, college students, construction workers, and it's soccer moms. Um, it's the demographic is so wide. It's, it makes it a lot of fun. Um, and then of course, yeah, the, you have, and it's not a negative term, but you have people that like to skydive when it comes to competing. They just want to do it once. They want to see what it's like. They want to train it. They want to compete once. And that's great because they get to see another side of them, that primal side to compete like that. And then you have the ones that want to make it a go for a career um, and and fight on pay-per-views and make lots of money doing that. So yeah, it's a, it's a quite large demographic. Well, hey, it gives you a big pool to fish from when it comes yeah. to finding your ideal clients. So let's talk a little bit about the, the operations of the facility. I know you have a, a little bit of help on the coaching side um, and execution is is something where it's it's pretty niche specific, you know, but business is business. And there are certain aspects that translate, whether you're in kickboxing, CrossFit, boot camp, you know, Zumba, whatever it is. So I want to start with that wide net that you cast. You have people from all walks of life coming into, a, you know, several different program offerings that you have there. So what what do you do? to attract the people that you want as far as marketing, advertising, and how many different things do you need to do because of the amount of programs or offerings you have? Um, to be honest, just like I would say almost with a CrossFit gym, you're gonna have, you already have 
um, a certain clientele that are looking for certain things. You, you might have the, the people that want to get in shape, but they're not sure what they want to do. They just come and check out the gym. They heard about it or they seen, um, you know, social media ads or they heard about it on the radio or whatnot. You'll have those. But a lot of people that come in, they want to do something different. They aren't looking for the regular go to go to another gym and just go work out on their own. Or they're not just going to lift weights. They want they really want to punch things and, and kick things in and be as primal as can be, as I say it. So as far as the marketing, social media for sure. Um, you know, whether it's ads on Facebook or creating videos and content, Instagram. I I'm I do a lot of branding on my own before I even became a gym owner. So that's sort of crossed over um, quite nicely. So I don't have to always, if I put me putting something on my individual pages for my gym helps the gym out as well. I'm pretty, pretty solid with um, the radio stations. So they're always have, bringing me in for interviews whenever they're talking about mental wellness or physical activities something like that. I do a lot of uh, community work as well. So different community activities. Um, and then word of, a lot of word of mouth, flyering and posters. I don't really, I don't do much with on the newspaper side of things or that kind of media only because it, I wouldn't get a great ROI on that. Like the, it wouldn't, for the cost of it, it just doesn't make sense when I'm doing I'm doing okay now, and I know where I need to increase certain things. Um, if I'm going to put money into something, I know where I need to put that already. Uh, and then very blessed to be involved with a lot of schools. Like a lot of high schools bring me in to teach kickboxing classes, whether it's a gym class. I have a school right now that's bringing me in where I'm going to do like three month long of kickboxing for their students. Um, UW Madison is always bringing me in to do things. So it's, I'm able to stay in touch with these. And then with some of the businesses, I make sure that I stay in touch with them. And I'm working on something with a couple different businesses. Um, you know, I have Epic here in Madison and they work with the medical, all the hospitals, they handle all the software. So, um, a and they're almost like Google, the way they run, you look at their facility, it looks like a university. So I get a lot of their students in. So offering offering companies like that, certain wellness discounts and things of that nature, you know, just trying to stay in touch with all these different demographics any way I can. Yeah, it sounds like if we were fishing, you gotta, you're, you're fishing in the ocean with about a hundred poles out there. So really a lot of channels working for you yeah and when one doesn't work or it starts to dry up i'm like okay is it dried up or do i need to think of something new and for me coming from one business to the other all i had to do is like start moving the models over and they were already built i already had them built in within the community so it was like just switching it over and then finding um seeing if I can find new new areas to fish, I guess is the best way to put it in the ocean. Yeah, you're you're just taking the the general skills that apply to all business 
in fine tuning them to work with a different business, but you already had that, that background, you had certain channels working for you. You know that social media is big, you know, that connection, just your personal connections and network are things you can leverage. So that makes sense. So the next step for most people, um, you know, if you look at things as a funnel in the client journey is sales with, with a, a martial arts gym, it's a coaching business, right? It's not like mm -hmm. a, like a big box gym where it's like, Hey, you can have this membership where you come in and do your own thing. Nobody's going to come in and just, you know, just go and, and hit a bag or get a couple buddies to hit pads. So basically your business is purely coaching. So how does that No. No, this is where, and this is the first time I've gotten to talk about that. This is where let's go. I have, I have borrowed from CrossFit gyms and from other gyms when, Oh man, I haven't got this. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps because this is something that I purposely did. So I like to disrupt the flow of things. I do not like to go the way everybody else is. I will look at a blueprint, see how everybody else is doing it and say, okay, that's cool. I like this idea, this idea, this idea. And then figure out how I can create my own. And that's what I did with the gym. So the first thing I did is I looked at all the prices and I, then I looked at, you know, what I looked at my back. Okay. This is what it's going to cost me to run my day-to-day -day facility. This is what it's going to cost me every month. Cool. I don't need to match all the other prices there because I believe they're overcharging. I don't care. I'm making my prices lower. And I did, and I'm still perfectly fine. Then the next aspect I did is I said, okay, right now it's gonna be only me, maybe one other instructor. And then if I bring somebody on from my kids class, cool. But does the, my gym need to be closed? No, because I still gotta pay for it during those times. When it's not open, I gotta pay for it. I'm opening my gym, I'm gonna have my gym run. From the moment I open, at 5 a.m. to the moment I close it at 9 p.m., pretty much seven days a week. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna encourage them and make that a sales point. If you sign up, this is how much it costs to come do the classes. You can get unlimited classes within this range. Plus, whenever you want, you can come in and train. So if for some reason you have a half day at work or if it's like we just had Martin Luther King Day, at Martin Luther King Jr. Day and people didn't work. So my gym had people in it during during off, off hours, hitting bags, hitting pads, doing things and working. And then if I'm there, they get to, I might come down and work with them a little bit more and give them what I would call a free private, which then encouraged them to also pay for privates because I was already there. I was already doing paperwork. Someone's hitting something. I'm looking over the edge. I'm looking, hey, your foot's off here or, hey, you're doing that wrong because I just can't not say anything. So for me, it was like, okay, I have the means to open the facility because I'm not doing anything else. A lot of these gym owners, at least in this area, have other jobs. I don't. So now I am the almost a Kobe Bryant mentality. If I'm doing, if I'm training two more times a day than everybody else, that might not, you might not see the results over a week or over a month, or, but over that year, two years, 
three years, four years, nine years, I'm going to be so far ahead because I put in more time than everyone else. And I'm offering more than everyone else. And it's not costing me anything else. That's the beauty of it. The gym, I'm already paying for it as it is. So now I'm just offering it to people to do that. And it, it really, before COVID, it helped with um, my kids' class because parents knew they could bring their kids there if they weren't in school. It was a way for them to burn energy, a way for them to work. And it didn't, it didn't hurt anybody. The adults could come in and work. I've had people text me, um, man, are you sure you're open? I know it's only like, 11 a.m. but is you know is it okay i had a really crappy day last night yeah come in they come in they work and those are the students that end up staying for three to five years and finishing out the whole system and you create a a, a family atmosphere with that so i i didn't want to stick to that model i wanted to do something different and if it didn't work I could scrap it, but it works. And so it's it's been been a very beautiful thing to have. And I have and I have weights in my gym and a weight bench and the way it's set up, it's a two-level gym. So upstairs there's weights and there's dumbbells and there's kettlebells and bands, and they can do that work if they want. And then downstairs I have heavy bags and all the pads they could work with, open floor. Some people just came in and they needed to stretch but they didn't want to do it just at home. They wanted to do it. So a couple of the women will call some of their friends that are also students and they'll come in and do 30 minutes of yoga just on their own. And it's not, it's like, yeah, perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. Man, that's, that's eye-opening. I love it. Thank you for breaking that down. I want to get back and talk about your system and people going through your whole system. But before we get to that, um, the more we talk, the more I realize that when somebody comes into your world with an interest in the blast, I feel like it's probably less of a, a sales consultation than just like a real talk conversation with somebody. So how do you approach that? Because I'm, I'm guessing that this looks different than it does in a lot of gyms. So are you doing the majority of those intakes? And what does that look like uh, the way that it fits into your whole your whole ideal, your whole program of how you're running this thing, really doing it your own way outside the box. Yeah, I, basically when when people go to the website, they can set up intros. They have like, there's a schedule on there. There's a time time on there. They can do that. Or if they contact via email or call, I'll set up a day for them to come in for an intro. And what an intro is, they come into the gym um, and I just go through the details of how everything works. Okay, this is how the curriculum works. This is what we do. These are, this is the schedule for the classes, my morning classes, my evening classes. Um, I have a student-based price, so I don't care how old you are. If you're in school, there's a discount because I know what it's like to be an adult. I remember what it's like to be, like when I went back to school, my daughter was three. So I remember, I know how that feels. Um, and then I also know parents that, that, like, if your kid's in school, I want to make sure that you can afford to get them into training and have them do something because it's going to help them. Um, and, and then after that, you know, after each section, I ask them if they have questions on that section. 
answer the questions or not, go through it. They usually don't have questions. I, I'm, I'm pretty efficient at and by going through everything pretty quickly in depth. And then I ended with, I know I, and some of my students make fun of me and tell me this is the marketing pitch and, but they understand it's just me being me. I know I'm not the coach for everyone because I demand that you improve here along with your physical. I want your mental wellness to be right on point as well. So I'm going to push you to your limits. Seek death. You control you. If that's not what you're looking for, I know all the gym, other gym owners. You tell me what you want. I'll send you over to that gym. I don't care. That doesn't, it doesn't phase me. I'm not in competition with any other gym, even the other Muay Thai gym. I'm not in competition with them. I'm different from their coach. I'm different from their owner. I can care less about and nobody's my competition. So I'll send you where you want to go because I want you to be active. I want you to do your thing. If you if you join with us, understand that there's a reason why I put a wolf on the logo. That wasn't there. I changed that because I'm creating a pack and I want everybody that leaves the gym to create their own pack and be able to run their own thing and do what they want to do. So if you want to be part of the family, cool. We get together. We have fun on fight nights. We'll go paintballing. If somebody has to move, they'll put out a Facebook message in our private group and people show up and help people move. We are, it's a, it's a tight knit group of so many different uh, people. And I love that. We're like 200 strong. And so it's like, I like having that. When people come out, of, come back from college on break, they come train. When the military guys come back, like one of my friends, who's one of my, like, I love having conversations with him. He just left. He'll be gone for a whole year. He's a Green Beret. He cannot talk about what he does. I do not ask, but I know what he, I know he's seeing some things and it's, it's always a good time. So yeah, it's not the normal. Okay. If you do this, if you do that, it's, pretty cut and dry. You sign up for a year, this is what it's going to cost. You sign up for six months, this is what it's going to cost. Here's the cost for equipment. If you want to do it, cool. If you run into any financial problems, let me know. Please let me know. Don't just duck, hide, and, and crawl away. No, let me know because more than likely, what I'll do is tell you to still come in. No, I've had people get laid off for a month. I don't want you to sit at home. Stay current with what we're doing stay in shape and as I will help you as much as I can. There's plenty of people that own businesses that train in my gym. They could be looking for someone or there's plenty of people hiring. Once you get back on your feet, we'll keep it going. Now, if you're out of work for six months, that's a whole different, now that's a whole different story, but I've never had that happen. So it's never come back to bite me in, in my butt. If, if anything, hey, clean the gym this day, do this. Like I'm good with a barter system to a certain extent, because it doesn't make sense for you to just stop training. Cause now you're not gonna, you're gonna lose confidence about yourself on top of not having a job. Now we're not getting anywhere. Now you're probably not gonna come back at all. It's yeah, it, I, I run it like a mom, almost like a mom pop shop almost feel, but I do care about my business. So it's like that uh, interesting, I'm trying to, I, I try to find that middle ground very often. Yeah. For sure. So we have that. We know what it looks like to get into your world. 
And we talk a lot in the business about client journey and you put this into something that's a unique system for you where you have an idea of what it could look like for someone to be with you for three, four, five years, right? You called it mm -hmm. the system earlier. What does that look like? How do you, how does that break down into you planning out somebody's basically whole life cycle or first few years with you? Yeah. So a lot of times people come in nervous. They don't want to hold up the rest of the class. They don't want to hold up the rest of the students. So we have what's called um, where they can do three privates um, with me and I could get them caught up roughly to match class because they're three hour long sessions. So now I can get you to understand what you're supposed to do. It's not going to look as good as everybody else or as how some people look, but the curriculum is made. So you, if you don't know Muay Thai right now, I can plug you into the class right now without any private lessons and get you a part of class right now because I have more advanced students that might be working on, they might need to improve on pad feeding. So, hey, today I need you to work on pad feeding. You're going to work with this student, guide them through what they need to do. And they all, because it's built like that, they all buy into that because they all remember their first day. Then what we have is every three or four months, um, depending on my fight schedule, because if I'm out of town for fights, obviously I can't do a test. So for that curriculum, we test. Within that curriculum, you have, we basically cover all the different ranges, long range, uh, a combo range, a very short range, and then a clinch range where you're really on top of that person with, some, with a whole lot of cardio. It, it looks almost like hit by the time you're done watching it. They take a test, now they move up a sash. After three tests, they go from our phase one curriculum to our advanced curriculum phase two. After two years in phase two, they move to phase three. After two years in phase three, now you're ready for your black sash test. So if they didn't miss a test, you're looking at five years of training. Now, the goal is when you take your black sash test, you are now showcasing not only what we showed you, but now what you have fallen fallen in love with. So we have a pre pre written um, black sash test where fifty percent of it is you gonna know this, and this is from our lineage, Master Tati in Thailand. Um, you gotta know this, but then the other half you write yourself. So you're writing half of your test, which is super cool because. Some people like a spinning back kick with a jumping knee type of thing. The athleticism you need to pull that off is, is crazy. Some people like a seven punch combo. Whatever it is, you write it in there and now you pick your pad feeder, your individual pad feeder, someone that's probably come up with you in the system that's probably gonna, more than likely it's somebody that just took their black sash test or someone that's going to take their black sash test after you. They're going to pad feed you, and now you're working together to create, to put this all together. So, yeah, we have it pretty well planned. If you take your test every five, every every time you're supposed to, after five years, you'll be right there. It's, it's no different than Brazilian jiu-jitsu where, yeah, if you stay current with it, somewhere between six and ten years, you know, is where you really get your black belt in there. And if you miss a test, it's not a big deal. You come you weren't ready for that test or you didn't, or you didn't, you weren't able to come in that, that black. My, my girlfriend, 
she's been training there for uh, over two years and fought. And after her third fight, she was like, yeah, I'm taking a semester off. And she plugs in now and then, but she needed that time off for herself to do some other activities that she wanted to do. That's fine. She can still plug in anytime and she'll be ready to go for the next test. All right. So one of the things that I think um, I, I've seen some different concepts adopted, but really martial arts and, you know, whether it's a sash or a belt or whatever the whatever the progress system is, I think one of the things that's so great from a business standpoint is you're giving people milestones, you're giving them goals, mm -hmm. you're giving them reasons to stay with you because now they're invested they have mm -hmm. you know sunk costs sunk time you know they're going to go if they go someplace else they're going to even if they try a different martial art now they're starting at the beginning and it's yep. it's not all the same thing you know i guess some some attributes may transfer but when it comes to client life cycle retention length of engagement having something that's a progression and has milestones, has so much power. And it's also great as a coach, right? If you get in this yeah. because you like to see people advance and progress, you can both be like, hey, like in a, in a fitness world, in general fitness, it's like, hey, uh, I think I feel better. I'm more fit. Like, yeah, uh, it sometimes can be subjective, but you're like, no, like you're here. Your next goal is here. We can do this. Mm -hmm. So I love how that translates, man. So you have you have a ton of things going on for marketing, tons of channels there. Pretty unique sales process. Your client life cycle is is really built out in a way that keeps coaches engaged, keeps clients engaged with the business and with each other. There's a lot of things firing there. Um, on the surface here, from what I can see, looks like you have a super solid foundation. A lot of things figured out, translated from your other businesses. Um, you know, the burning question is always like, do you have any obstacles? Do you have any things that you're working on? You know, do you have, you know, is it like, all right, 2022, I need to do this. Or are you just, just repeating and building what you already have as a foundation? It's, it's, um, hmm, that's a really good question. It's always, I'm a big, big believer that you learn from both your successes and your so-called fails, failures. So I look at what's working and I usually give myself, I, I usually pick a month and it's usually in July. July is usually my slower month for my fighters. I don't know why it just seems to happen. July has always been a slower month. So I try to plan for July to look at, okay, that's almost like my end of the year. Not December, July a lot of times is what I look at my, my end of the year because it's it's almost, you know, the halfway point for me. So I look at it and say, okay, what's worked? This has worked, this has worked, this has worked, this has worked. Okay, did it work as well as I thought it would? Did it did it um exceed anything? Did where can I get in where where can where can I get better? The failures a lot of times okay, why did this student or why did these students not stick with the program? What, what was something that was tough for them? Was it a scheduling thing? Was it this? Was it that? Okay, is it something that I can even, me, myself, fix right now? Um, the big thing before COVID, I was looking 
at humongous facilities because my goal is to have a training facility a lot pretty much like a lot of like what you'll see um one gym is american top team how they have mm -hmm. this humongous facility the uh, I, I say a bigger facility than the princeton club i have certain goals aspirations to have that and so i was looking at a really big facility and i was ready to do it and as i'm talking with them and as i'm working out all the details working with the owner and doing all this and saying okay i'm gonna get this building news of COVID starts hitting and I'm like, hmm, well, that's in other countries. doesn't look like it's going to hit us the same way. And then all of a sudden it starts hitting us. And then, and then of course it's like, well, no way we're going to shut down. How are they going to shut down? They're not going to shut everything down. And then boom. And I'm like, oh, okay, it looks like I'm going to stay here. Let me talk to Mike. Let me talk to everybody involved and I'll stay here. And then it was just hanging on, that one, the pandemic helped me more than hurt me because I, I told, I told everybody in my group, I said, if I survive this, we are never, ever going to go out of business. I, we're not, we're not. If the worst thing that could happen, if anybody looks at me as competition, they're screwed. Because if I maintain this, nothing is going to stop me. And it taught me the biggest failure I had, I was putting so much of the money that was coming in right back into the business, which was great, but I wasn't putting enough over to save because nobody in, I don't know, I've talked to so many business owners, Nobody ever can, nowhere never planned for a pandemic where there's a complete shutdown. And that taught me, I have to plan for absolutely everything in a way that I never planned before. So, because at the time it was like, okay, I need, I want a new bag. So I'm gonna get a new bag or I want this equipment. Like I, I, I would see some cool equipment and then do my research and talk to some other gym owners in other areas and get feedback, talk to the company. And there, we, I started getting a lot of cool stuff and it was taking my gym to that next level, which is what we want as a gym owner, go to that next level. And sometimes you need to invest in that equipment. And now it's like, okay, there's a difference in a need and a want. And just because I want it, is it gonna, how does it benefit me right now? Or am I better off putting that money to the side and sitting just in case there's another shutdown right now. And so that's changed the, 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 the work on it, it and, and changed the thought process. That was the biggest failure that I had because I wasn't prepared for that. And I am a person that likes to be prepared for anything. I love chess. I love the, ha having the right, I love thinking six steps ahead. And I just didn't plan for that. And I will not allow that to happen again. And it's worked because now on like today is what Wednesday on Friday, I put in a bid, put in an offer for a new facility that will double in size of what I have already and have everything that I need and should keep me happy for the next five years or so, unless I do what I did 
when I first became the owner and smash all my goals within the first three years. If I do that, then I'll have to look for a new facility. But um, yeah, that's a good that's, problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then then I'll be as the cool thing hearing about you when you were talking about the different places and different businesses. That's also like um, kind of a goal of mine of having. And, and this is something where I'll put out there, if someone's done it, I would be all good if someone hit me up and just wanted to talk or whatever. Because what I love about other gyms is that like with, with certain gyms, they'll have um, just other buildings that are just smaller versions of them where people can go train. Um, remote like little remote gyms or some things like that and i was thinking i'm like man the goal is to eventually do something virtually because and i'm putting together a program right now i'm, I'm putting myself through the program honestly and it's a lot of it's a lot of the things that i put my fighters through and whether it's it's strength training hit you know hit strength cardio training and strike and working also technical skills a little less of the technique, but more very fast paced, hard, just grimy work that you would see like Navy SEALs do and things like of that nature, like just really nasty hard work. And I'm testing my own limits since I've, it's how I, I trained to be, I, I fought multiple times. So I know what it's like. I train my fighters all the time. I handle all the cardio and strength training for it. So putting together that virtual program where I can go get a smaller facility that fits 20 to 50 students in there. And I'm just on a big TV and now I have a remote place and maybe a place 45 minutes from where I am and people are training. Cause I literally have right now, people will drive 45 minutes to just come do my classes. I have fighters that drive 90 minutes when I'm sorry, I have one pro fighter that drives literally two hours to come train with me. So I have these different places that I'm reaching. If I just get a building there, put my ugly mug on a, on a TV and I'm doing something virtually, they can still train and we can make it work. And so it, it's, it's ideas like that, that keep that, Man, I can't. I'm I'm excited for that one. Get your blood pumping, man. I can feel it. Yeah. All right, man. Unfortunately, we are just about out of time. Last thing I'm gonna ask you before I let you go. You've been in the world of business for a while now. Uh, you have a lot to share. You've already shared a lot. But specifically, if you could talk to your younger self or our audience or somebody that's you know in the business about maybe the one, you know, if there's one driving force, if it's the, you know, seek death, if there's something else that has pushed you forward, that, that keeps you going, uh, makes you jump out of bed, like, what would you share? Um, that gets me out of bed. It, for me, it, I would say always search for more knowledge, like be willing to learn and always be willing to learn from others. I had to really slow myself down and talk to other 
gym owners, other martial art gym owners, and really pick their brain on different things, especially at the start. And then don't think you got to tackle it all yourself. For me, getting an accountant was everything for me because it was stressing me out to try to handle all the finances, to get everything together, to stay on top of that. So it's it's finding the right people that, that can come in and, and handle where your week is at. And that, that for me was, was the biggest thing. Seek death, you control you. Those are great to apply, but as a business owner, it's letting go of your pride, your ego, whatever you want to call it, and knowing that you're not going to be great at everything and find the people that can help you out in those areas. Awesome, man. That's uh, There's a couple of good nuggets in there. I advise if you just listen to that and your brain didn't explode, rewind it about two, three minutes. Listen to my guy, Mark, again, because there's, there's some gold in there. Sir, we are officially out of time, but if any of our listeners want to find you, I know you have social media president, uh, presence, you have websites. Can you bless us with all that? Tell us where we can, we can look you up. Yeah, um, the Blast Muay Thai Kickboxing, uh, Facebook, Instagram, anything with Mr. Get Your Buzz Up. Mr. Get Your Buzz Up, exactly how it's spelled. I'm on, me personally, I'm on every social media. So my TikTok should entertain you very well. I got quite a large following there and making money from there. So that's pretty dope. But the Blast Muay Thai Kickboxing or Mr. Get Your Buzz Up. Awesome, man. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great. And to everybody out there listening, as always, we appreciate you too. Thank you for spending some of your day with us. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Wayne from Live Fit Fresno and Row Forge in Fresno, California. What's up, Wayne? How are you today? Hey, good morning, Bree. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is very fun and exciting. All right. Awesome. Glad to have you here. All righty. So let's jump into the details here. Wasting no time. How did you get started in the fitness industry? What made you want to own your own facility? Well, I think it's a really fun story. Actually, if I were to uh, go way back to this would be about like 2006. Um, I was probably like 25 years old and I was working different jobs. Uh, Maybe even to go back further when I was um, starting college, I really was interested in health and fitness, nutrition. 
at that time, it wasn't super popular, I would say. I don't think that mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that were all that successful, you know, just like doing that sort of thing at the time. Um, and so a lot of my my friends and even my parents, I remember saying, I don't, I think you're going to always struggle. I don't think you're going to be able to make a lot of money doing that. I mean, what are you going to really do? And I didn't know, of course, I didn't really have an answer. So I just dropped out. I actually dropped out of college. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. So I decided to just start working uh, different jobs that sounded fun and interesting to me, which I did for a number of years. And at some point I finally got to this, you know, this place in my life where I just was like, I'm not really happy doing what I'm doing and I'm trying to do these different jobs, but I think I'm just going to go into the fitness industry because that's what I've always been passionate about. That's what I want to do. And I remember telling one of my friends at the time and he says, you're never going to do that. You've been saying that for years. And I thought to myself, have I really, have I really been saying that for years? And I can't believe that this guy just basically called me out and said, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so at that point I said, Oh yes, I will do it. And I just literally quit my job. Uh, so I had no job and I went home and I studied as much as I could to get my first certification, which was the uh, ISSA, International mm -hmm. Sports Science Association. So I, I got that within a number of weeks, I was able to pass the test and I started just working at a local gym, which was GB3 at the time, it's, uh, George Brown Sports, uh, like health and fitness you know, type of gym, really nice big gyms here in the, in the uh, local area, Clovis and Fresno. And I thought, I don't know anything about the industry, so why don't I just go work there for a while and see what I can learn and <clears throat> just start from nothing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I literally didn't, I don't think I had hardly a hundred bucks in my checking account. I could barely even put gas in my car. So I was pretty much broke. Uh, so <laughs> I, I drive over there first day, get started. I remember meeting with one of the, one of the uh, top trainers that they had there. Okay, you're going to shadow with this guy today. Okay, I think his name was Ian. So I'm shadowing with him and I'm just kind of like, trying to figure out what this business is all about. And uh, I was pretty terrified too at the, at the time. Uh, it was like a, a big step for me personally. I was I would describe myself as somewhat reserved at the time. Mm -hmm. So here I am kind of a reserved individual starting this, you know, stepping out on the gym floor. I was literally like terrified to train somebody, but I was able to overcome that fear and start training. And of course, I remember standing at the front desk with no clients, like nobody, right? I had a totally open schedule. And I told the the people working at the front desk, I said, look, these are the hours that I want to train. So anybody that comes in that wants to train with me, just put them in these, in these hours, okay? I have nothing else to do. So I'm just going to stand here at the front desk and uh, try to fill up my schedule and see if I can get some clients and start helping people with their health and fitness. So that was basically kind of like the the raw beginning of you know how I started just passionate about health and fitness I wanted to help other people um, I was also trying to help myself a little bit as well because I had at one point gained some weight so I had I was losing some weight and working on my own fitness and trying to get you know really into this industry which I slowly did within about like six to eight months I think I had a totally full schedule I was like totally packed and um, I decided you know what <clears throat> I think I need to go to something that's a little more exclusive. Let's let's see mm -hmm. if I can find like a personal training studio in the area and maybe go there. It seems to be kind of like a higher level of service, which is what I wanted to offer. Uh, so I did that and I found a place called Synergy Personal Training. And so I went to that and, and a number of my clients came with me. Some of them didn't, you know, if they had like packages that they purchased through the gym, they decided to stay there, which is fine. Mm -hmm. um, uh, some of them came with me just naturally um, you know that you know how that goes. 
Yes. And um, <laughs> so I kind of still didn't, I didn't have like a full schedule at the time. So I was still figuring out, you know, how am I going to really make a living and ramp this business up? I think at the time I was probably 27 years old and that was around like 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, I had some other trainers there that were also helpful and mentoring me and like kind of coaching me along and pushing me further. And like I said, I was a bit of a reserved individual, but slowly coming out of my shell more and more and um, just learning how to work with people and help them and so on. Uh, we've come more comfortable with the idea of training all day, every day and, and being on the gym floor, you know. Right. So within a number of years, uh, I think it was around 2010, I was probably just totally slammed, like 10, 12 appointments a day. And I got to this point where I thought that maybe I could make a better experience. The place that I was at was good, but I felt like there was some, you know, things uh, going on within the ownership that I didn't really like. And some of my clients were complaining and so on. So I thought, why don't I create a better environment and maybe try to get other trainers involved as well and help coach them along and help them do what I've done. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, build a big book of business and clients and success and all that. So that's what I did. I think it was uh, 2011, I left and one of my clients gave me a small loan and said, hey, I'll, I'll, give, I'll loan you like 30 grand and mm -hmm. um, you know that'll help you get started. You can go buy a bunch of equipment and build out a, a studio and a space and let's go there. He was training with me like three or four days a week and he really loved it. So he wanted to you know invest in me and, and he was really a great guy. He was actually a good friend now today still um <clears throat> so that was kind of neat and he said hey i don't care just pay me back you know no right. answer, whatever so that was pretty nice of him you know absolutely very helpful um so i had a lot of help along the way and i think it was around 2012 that was finally built out i built out lift fit which was um at the time like 3800 square feet so it was decent size mm -hmm. we offered massage therapy my wife was also there she's uh doing skincare at the time and, um, and then we had like probably six or seven personal trainers that came, you know, and started training there with me. And so wow. we had a big personal training area and break room and massage therapy and all that. So it was a pretty big undertaking. And at the time it was, uh, I have to admit very overwhelming. I was working like crazy. I, I don't think that I took even a day off for like the first two months, you know, mm -hmm. like every day, right. Like 14 hours a day go home, sleep, eat, and then go back to the Come gym. back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was pretty intense. Definitely. Intense. Well, you you had the the experience beforehand, before opening your own facility, which is huge. A lot of gym owners don't have that experience in working in another facility, building your own book of business, and kind of coming all the way up the ladder. A lot of people just kind of jump right into opening a facility, but a lot of the lessons that you learn along the way, whether it be what to do or what not to do, uh, are super important and super helpful in opening your own facility. So definitely good that you had some of those things along the way. Now, today, your current business model within the facility, what does that look like? How are you structuring things? Are we doing group classes, semi-private, one-on-one training only? How does that work? 
Well, when we first started, like I said, we had personal fitness training and all that, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, a few years into it, there's a space empty uh, next to us. I decided to open and start doing group classes, which I did. I opened that. I built it out for group classes in 2014. So then I had uh, personal training in one room, one big space, and then I had group classes in the other. And that was just like a tremendous undertaking as well, trying to get all the group class, you know, uh, fitness instructors going and get the schedule built out. And I had mind body software going and, mm. and all that. Uh, so I was offering group classes for a number of years up until COVID. Mm. When COVID hit, it was just way too challenging to keep all those plates spinning. Right. So I decided, you know what, it's a good time. Let's just scratch the group classes um, and let's go back to 100% just one-on-one personal training. And we even reduced our space and my wife built out a different studio for herself and mm-hmm. it was challenging to get good massage therapists. So, I mean, to be honest with you, it was just like way too much. I think that's probably helpful for some people to hear mm-hmm. that if you do start a studio, it's probably best to start small. Yes. You know, so that now at this point, we only have 1300 square feet and we do 100% just personal training, one-on-one training. That's it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. A bit. I've gone through this, you know, kind of start big, went a little bigger and then now way smaller. Um, and it's probably the most profitable mm-hmm. overall gross sales are a little less, but definitely more profitable. Right. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of, a lot of gym owners have kind of shifted post COVID to doing semi-privates and one-on-one sessions as opposed to group classes, just because a lot of time of the number of people in the area, a lot of people kind of are more comfortable doing either semi-privates or one-on-one sessions. Um, So a lot of people's business models have really shifted post-COVID. Now, with that being said, as far as growth goes, I think this is something that people kind of overlook very often it doesn't necessarily have to be a numbers game, right? We don't always have to increase the amount of people that we have in the facility. We can have a smaller amount of people within the facility, provide them a higher level of service and therefore charge them a higher rate. And it kind of makes everything easier as far as delivering for your clients as well, because you're not spread so thin. We can work with a smaller amount of clients, provide them a higher level of service, charge them more, get them better results. And everything kind of works better better, in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what's happened to me. Right. Yeah. So I think sometimes, um, you know, that's one of the main things that's kind of overlooked within the facility. Your, Your greatest source of revenue are the clients that are in your facility. You know, those are the people that are going to purchase from you again, or are more likely rather to purchase from you again than new people walking in the door. So being able to provide them higher levels of service, other services within the facility is a huge source of revenue that I think gets overlooked very often. Um, And also, you know, selling, clients to their results, selling results rather than just packages or memberships is super helpful as well. So now with that being said, within the facility, 
there are other services that you're offering. You mentioned a little bit along the way, um, but are you offering like nutrition, accountability coaching to the clients that you have as well? We're not offering any nutrition at the moment, but maybe in the future. Okay. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, We're so focused on overall fitness and health that we just don't really get a lot into the nutrition as far as, you know, like actual structured plans. Right. Of course, you can help counseling. That's pretty simple. Yeah. Help somebody eat better, you know, but when yes. it comes to like actual detailed nutrition, we actually have partnered with um, a local, you know, team of doctors. That's mm -hmm. their business is called uh, Optimal Medical Group. And so they offer a lot of nutrition and they do DEXA scanning and, you know, bone density and body fat percentage and all that stuff and blood labs and, you know, they have a really amazing service on that side of things. So we end up kind of send people, sending people there and then they send a lot of their people to us for overall fitness. Right. Right. Which is kind of nice in our case. I think we are so specialized in helping people set up like personalized cardiovascular programs to help uh, improve their VO2 max and then helping like joint, joint mobility, uh, mm -hmm. even some brain training and neural rehab. And then like general strength training and, and fitness and all that. So we're kind of like so busy with all those things that we feel it's easier to send them out to go meet with a nutritionist or go, go over to OMG, Optimal Medical Group, to mm -hmm. uh, go into their nutrition program. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Have you considered adding those services into your facility? Like in a simplified way, nothing too crazy, like having an in-body scale, for example, or um, getting to the next steps and providing people with a more tailored nutrition plan. Is that something you've considered doing or you kind of like where you're at just sending it out? I kind of like where I'm at just sending it out. I feel like it's such a, a whole nother genre that I almost don't have time to get involved with at least personally. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is that because you're, you're providing the, the fitness side of things to yeah. so many people, it kind of takes most of your time away from yeah, being able to focus. So. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Like in the, in the next few months, actually it's next month. Um, I'm going back out for another certification and uh, visual and vestibular training. Okay. And that's a really huge topic. And there's so much information, so much detail to just training the vestibular and visual systems and mm -hmm. what that does to the, to the brain and how that affects our movement overall and our, you know, muscle tone and flexibility. There's just so much there that I feel like I have to focus 100% on those sorts of things. I don't really have time to uh, continually dive into nutrition personally. Mm -hmm. if I had somebody else there uh, that'd probably be great. But in the meantime, I just don't even have time to uh, offer that, or at least it's not my priority. Mm -hmm. So got it. Yeah. That. Okay. I'd rather send it out to somebody else that's doing it on that level. Right. So if I if yeah. I offer a service, I want to make sure I offer one hundred percent. Yes. Service I could offer, and I don't feel like I would be capable of doing that at the, at this moment. Right. In any way. Absolutely. All right. So now. Uh, your client base, how many clients are we currently serving at the facility overall? Uh, well, I have three trainers there, including myself right now. And we're all pretty full. 
So I train about 35 to 40 hours a week of actual like one-on-one training. And then my partner, Dr. Amy Devers, she's doing about probably just a tad less, like 30 hours mm-hmm. of training per week. And then the other uh, person there, Scott Jennings, is training probably about 40 plus hours a week, I would imagine. Okay. So are you maxed out as far as how many people you can train within the facility? Yeah, currently we are. Okay. Yeah. And we're actually thinking, so this is probably a a good time to mention that uh, so far we've only had uh, independent contractors as far as like other trainers there. They've always been independent contractors. Okay. Pay like a flat rate. Uh, This time we're thinking about hiring somebody and actually having an employee. Right. Training them to do exactly what we're doing because it's rather specialized and we really want all the trainers there to kind of follow suit as far as mm-hmm. like the style of training that we're offering. Uh, so I think that's the next step for us this year. Within the next quarter, we really want to have a, an employee going and start training them and um, they can take additional clients that we are unable to work with right now. Cause we're, like I said, we're just totally maxed out. Right. I can't take any more than what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also, so on that note, the trainers that you are contracting, are they paying a monthly rate to like a, a rent essentially to train at the facility? Yes. Okay. That's how I've structured it so far, but I feel like, I don't think that's the best model for the owner. Yeah. That's what I was going to touch on next. <laughs> yeah. I really yeah. And I've known that for a long time, but it's been challenging you know, we have all these things that we want to maybe either some things we want to continue doing, some things we want to change and it just takes time. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's like our, you know, our big goal this year is to try to get at least one employee going within the first two quarters of the year, you know, the first six months of the year, we want to get somebody going. And then if we can get them fairly busy and fairly full, then maybe get a second one going. That'd be good. Yeah. Overall, it's much better revenue for the owner. Yes. Like far, far, far better. Right. Absolutely. And what has been the biggest bottleneck in that department as far as getting somebody employed as a full-time employee as a trainer? Well, to be 100% honest with you, I feel like it's been a huge challenge to work with some other trainers. Mm-hmm. Let's be 100% honest. It has been tough. And I don't know exactly why that is. It's, um, it seems like a lot of trainers have kind of their own mindset as far as what they want to do and how they want to do it. Yes. It's very difficult to work with somebody that is not open to something new. Right. So when I have my own, in this case, I would describe our personal studio, our private training studio as a definite luxury product. And it's very high level focus, um, very personalized approach to fitness, which mm-hmm. I love. And that's, that's where I thrive personally, but it's really challenging to find other trainers that want to do that same thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's been a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at this point, I actually have a different idea moving forward as, as to how I want to uh, tackle that problem. And we're going to see how that plays out this year. Okay. And what is that idea? Or are you trying to keep it a secret? Well, um, I think I'm going to keep it a secret. 
it's a whole, <laughs> it's a whole new business concept. I think that in, you know, in this case, which would be pretty revolutionary if I can make it happen. Okay. So we're going to see if it's possible or not. All right, cool. I like it. I'm excited to see what happens there. Yeah. Um, so now moving into, you know, talking about the client base that you have, you're pretty much maxed out right now. So what does retention look like for you? How long are your clients typically staying with you for? Oh, I would say for years. I have some clients for over 10 years and a lot of them, they'll stay for, I mean, it, it seems like we get to a year so fast mm -hmm. and they'll say one day, wow, can you believe I've been training here for a year? I'm like, wow, really? Has it already been a year? It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It just goes super fast. And then, yeah, so they'll be here for a couple of years at least, seems like. Yeah, absolutely. So, really so high, high retention rate. Which good. I think is key. Yeah, I mean, um, most industry averages six months or less. Oh, wow. So, I mean, if your clients are sticking around for years at this point, you're doing yeah. something right. Uh, so yeah. what do you think the main or one of the main contributors to that is? Yeah, that's a good question. Like I said, I've uh, worked with a lot of different trainers over the years. I've seen a number of them come and go for a number of reasons. And at one point, I have to admit, I got a little frustrated, but and then I was also wondering to myself, like, what am I doing differently that is making me a success? Mm -hmm. And I'm watching all these other people just fail. And I, I, that's, I don't want to see them fail. I wanted to help trainers. That was one of the big goals that I had when I opened LiftFit was, hey, I want to help other trainers do what I've done, which right. is build a successful business. And I think at, at uh, one point I finally realized a lot of it has to do with how I interact with my clients on a, on a, like a daily basis, how I talk to them, uh, the respect that I build with them. A lot of that is not there with other trainers. I've mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. It's it comes down to caring about the person that you're working yeah, with, yeah. you know, and yeah, really so showing them that. Exactly. Every single session that they come in, I'm thinking to myself, this person is paying me top dollar really to help them. And it's my responsibility to make sure that I offer value. If I don't offer value every session, then how could I expect them to buy another package? Right. Absolutely. And so now with that being said, the, the value piece is huge. And we talked about going from one type of business model to a different type of business model on a, a smaller scale, but being able to generate more revenue essentially, or just as much revenue. So now have you seen a difference in retention rates since switching to the one-on-one -on -one only training model? Um, I would say, you know, my retention rate personally has always been good, mm -hmm. but Overall, yeah, I think that the group class business is kind of crazy. It, it's a tough business. It really mm -hmm. is. And it's kind of fascinating because you have all these people that come in and, and most of them want a deal. You know, they want like some sort of a special or whatever, right? Right. So if you're charging, you know, 20 bucks a class, they're going to want to pay 15. 
mm-hmm. or something, right? They always want to pay less and then they don't show up. And, and then you have, yeah, you know, like a class of 10 people and then two of them don't show up and now you only have eight and, and then they drop off and don't come back again. It seems like there's less accountability with the group class business too, you know, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, forget it. I'll go to the next one. So it was challenging running a group class business in comparison to just one-on-one. You have one person to worry about. They're going to pay you, you know, like 9,500 bucks a session or something. Mm-hmm. And that's far better than having, you know, six people pay you $15. Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that I wanted to touch on because a lot of facilities try to draw people in with really low barrier offers, you know, whether it be like 21 days for $21 or whatever it might be. And sometimes that's okay to get people in the door, but a lot of times you run into people who have really low levels of commitment because they, the way that they see the value in it, the amount that they're willing to pay essentially is how much value they put into the services that you are offering. And if you have a really low barrier offer, chances are the people that are involved in that really aren't that committed. And that's not always the case, but usually it is. I called you there, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's when people run into a really high turnover rate Mm -hmm. because if somebody is really not... I mean, people who pay, pay attention. So if you are investing heavily in your training, chances are that you value that training right? pretty high. You know, the value there is it's pretty high for you. And if you're investing that much money into it, chances are you're going to show up and you're going to get the results that you're looking for. And once you get the results that you're looking for, chances are you're going to stick around because you're going to want more or you're going to want to maintain, you know, one of the two. Uh, whereas if somebody's on a membership that's a lower cost or doesn't have as much commitment, then they probably don't care as much. You know, they're not really going to show up. They're not going to get the results that they're looking for. And then they're probably going to quit after a few months because they're really not getting what they're looking for. Uh, So super important to keep those things in mind because a lot of times people get wrapped up in wanting to compete with every other facility in the area and wanting to keep their prices low and wanting to keep the value high, but those things just don't go together. And then people end up running into situations where it's like, it's like a hamster wheel because they've constantly got people coming in and constantly got people going out and they're not selling results. You know, people, people aren't getting results. So they're not selling results and it just turns into a sticky situation. And it's really hard to grow like that. Whereas if you can, kind of condense things and get the right people in the programs that you're offering that are committed, that are willing to pay, that do value what it is that you're doing. It makes things easier overall. And you end up producing such better results for your clients and they end up sticking around longer. Everything just works better. Um, So I think that that's something important to keep in mind. And, you know, especially when it comes to pricing, people kind of get afraid to charge what they're actually worth and they don't, they never do. And then they just end up in that situation where it's like, you can't cover your overhead. You can't pay trainers. You can't grow. Yeah, totally. No, I agree with you hundred percent. 
And it's kind of a weird thing too, because a lot of people are going to ask for that deal, but a lot of times you got to stick to your guns and be like, no, there's no, we're not offering any specials right now. We're not, not doing that. Right. And, and I get asked that question all the time. I just have to say no. And I mean, why, why should I? Right. I mean, I have to have to make a living. Uh, if I don't, then I can't continue helping people, which is what I want to right. do. Mm -hmm. right? Cause I can't be there if I can't make a living and I can't stay open. Right. So that's sad. Right? I don't, I don't want to close. I want to make sure that I'm still there next month and, and, uh, ready to help people with their health and fitness. Right. Right. Yes. A hundred percent. And that's the reason why you get into it in the first place, you know, is to help people. Yeah. And when you try to help everybody, you end up helping nobody. Nobody. Yeah. Totally. So, you know, really making sure that you are super targeted as far as who it is that you want in the doors. A lot of people want to just cast a wide net and get anybody in the doors that will come in the doors. Uh, but that's kind of where we run into that situation. And the people that aren't willing to pay those prices for the training are typically the ones that cause you the most headaches along the way anyway. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes it's better to just kind of, you know, leave those out and, and, get the people in the doors that are actually looking for what it is that you are offering and that value, what it is that you're offering. So, totally. um, all right. So we touched on this a little bit, but I always just like to ask, so main focuses for 2022 with in the business, where are you directing most of your energy for 2022? Um, I definitely want to continue to make our service a little better. I mean, I always want that. I always want to offer a better service, right? Mm -hmm. uh, some of the things like that we're going to add this year is, like I said, more focus on visual and vestibular training. Mm -hmm. If somebody hasn't looked into that's it, quite fascinating. It actually does affect our mobility, flexibility, uh, uh, like our balance overall. Balance is really important for health and longevity and just to help people move better. So we want to offer, uh, you know, a more uh, balanced program, something more specific and detailed, measurable, tangible and then we also really need to get an employee going, like I said. So uh, we, we have all these clients that want to come in and start training, but we don't have any hours to fit them in. So I hate saying right. no. I hate turning people away. Yeah. Well, that's a good problem to have. I yeah. mean, at least you've, you've got the clients. That's usually the issue for most gyms is not having the clients, not yeah. having the lead flow. So that's a good problem to have, but definitely getting that trainer up to speed and on the floor so you can actually help those people will be yeah. huge for you. Yeah, awesome. Huge. I think that would really ramp up our business model and make it yes. successful. Yeah, for sure. And then also just from a business standpoint, revenue wise, that'll be a game changer for you as well as the business owner. Oh, huge. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty. So now if you could provide a piece of advice to somebody who is considering opening their own facility, kind of going their own way, doing their own thing, what would that be? Um, I think probably the best advice is to come up with a really good business model as far as like, what are you going to offer the public? Mm -hmm. What are you really offering? And then try to stick to that as best as you can. Because I think that depending on, you know, what style of business they're getting into, whether it's just like a boot camp or they're going to open up like a general fitness facility or, you know, like more like what I'm doing, which is like really one-on-one, -on -one, try to figure out exactly what you want to do and stick to that because there's so many 
there's so many different types of fitness out there these days. Mm -hmm. And I think it can get very confusing sometimes as far as like what you think is going to be what you want to offer and what, what's yes. going to be successful, right? Is this a boot camp? Are you not into boot camps? If you're not, then okay, fine. Then figure out what you really want to do and, and say, this is what we do. We don't do that, but we do this. Yes. That's fine. Both of them are good. Mm -hmm. Just whatever it is, stick to it and be really good at it. Yes, absolutely. Get really good at offering one thing, essentially, yeah. and yeah. make sure that you are passionate about it and believe in what it is that you're doing because yeah. it becomes really easy to sell that if you are really passionate about it and really believe in what it is that you're doing. It becomes not a sale, it's just helping people at the end totally. of the day. So yep. super simple. All right, awesome. So now as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Well, we have uh, Instagram and Facebook. So I have uh, the Live Fit Fresno Instagram. I have Roforge Instagram for our fitness app. And of course I have my own personal Wayne Harlan Instagram. And then the Perfect. same thing with Facebook. You can find us on there as well. Awesome. So super straightforward. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So Wayne from Live Fit Fresno and Row Forge in Fresno, California. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's been awesome having you on the show. Yeah. Thanks, Bree. That was fun. Good. Absolutely. To all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there. We'll catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches and learn more about their business knowledge. I'm your host, Brent Oliver, and today we're here with Catherine. Catherine, how are you doing? Doing great, thank you. How are you? Good, I'm good. Thanks good. for being on the podcast. My pleasure. I'm very excited. Cool. So we'll get right into it. If you want to tell everybody the, the name of your facility and where you're located. Yeah, so we started out as Milwaukee Adventure Boot Camp, and uh, the corporate title that I give my company is Achieve Personal Fitness. So I'm Achieve Personal Fitness, but I run um, our bootcamp division called Milwaukee Adventure Bootcamp. So both of those are very well known in the Milwaukee area, but Achieve Personal Fitness is our corporate name. Got it. Okay, cool. Now, uh, what kind of services do you, do you offer? What's like the model of your facility? Yep. So we started out originally in 2007 with a straight bootcamp model. So the idea was um, capture that early morning crowd, 
um, the group here in Milwaukee that was being underserved, I thought um, from my research was women 35 to 55 and get them getting their workouts done first thing in the morning. Um, so we just started with boot camps and we did boot camps very su successfully for about three years. But in the Milwaukee area, as you can imagine, uh, outdoor boot camps aren't super great in the winter. So we partnered early on with some locations that like to have groups that come in, um, pay some rent in the winter. So we did some uh, work with some churches. We worked with some local schools and in their gymnasiums. So from 2007 to about 2009, 2010, we were strictly fitness boot camps. We did three in the morning and we held that model pretty successfully for about three years. Now, um, and since then, um, we've morphed into other things. We do small group training in the evening, which is co-ed. We also do personal training throughout the day. We do nutrition counseling. So a little bit of everything now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And um, I'm really interested to dive into those specifically um, a little bit down the road. But first, um, I'd like to kind of highlight you know, what got you in this position in the first place? What were the series of events? You know, yeah. gym ownership is very unique. You wear multiple hats. It's stressful at times. Yeah. So I would yeah. like to highlight, you know, what even, what, what got you here? Yeah. So, okay. So in my previous life, I, I think people always start out that way. In my previous life, um, I was a sales rep for the textbook market. So um, the big educational textbook market, we did ancillary products. And one of the companies that does that is here in Milwaukee. So I was a sales rep and I was um, jet setting around New York City and Boston three weeks out of every four. And after a couple of years, our company was bought by a larger company, one of our competitors. All the salespeople were released. And I stepped back and I thought, you know what? What do I really want to do? And I was lucky. I was at this point, now I'm 30 six and at that point that was a really good time to step back and say you know i'm giving an opportunity where people think if i'm you know being released and i don't have a job it's a bad thing but for me it was actually a really good thing i got the opportunity to step back and say what do i love where am i what market is not being satisfied what do i want to do to help satisfy that and so we narrowed it down to that age group that 30 to 35 to 55 um, year old woman uh, moms, um, empty nesters, uh, professional ladies, and um, there was not any all-female um, um, programs. So I did a little research, and I went out to Orange County, California, and I got certified in the adventure boot camp model. So you go out there for a long weekend, uh, eight hours a day, and you go through um, John Spencer Ellis's program, and you get certified, you bring it back to whatever city you come back to, and you have your plan. Mine was Milwaukee Adventure Boot Camp, and we went through using my, my um, uh, graduation binder, and it tells you how to do everything. Why recreate the wheel? They already have a very successful program running fitness boot camps in Orange County. How do I bring that back and, and superimpose that and create my own model? So that's what we did in 2007. I became certified. Uh, we took a couple months to um, do our advertising. Um, again, using my, my nice graduation binder, I uh, used their suggestions. We partnered with a local um, um, high school and we got organized with where we're gonna run our, our boot camps. And in February of 2008, in the middle of the snow, 
we all trekked to um, one of the local high schools here and we ran our first indoor all women's boot camp. And at that time, it was only 5.30 a.m. So I had um, probably a good 25 people that first session. So it was, it was cool. Yeah, yeah. So now, um, how much time passed between when you lost your job and when you actually ran your first boot camp? Uh, so June through February. Okay. So um, we were released in June of 2007. Uh, did my research, um, went out, got certified, came back, and incorporated my company's name in 2007 in November. And in February 2008, we started running our first boot camp. Awesome. Now, in that first chapter, the first year or so you were in business, what kind of growth or bottlenecks did you see? Well, I have to tell you, Brent, you hear about people being first to market and what advantages people have being first to market with a service or a product. We were the first fitness boot camp in the state of Wisconsin. So we saw huge growth. I went from 25 ladies that first session, and they were paying anywhere from $199 to $299 per camp. And a camp is a four-week session. Uh, the sessions were at that point five days a week, Monday through Friday, 5.30 a.m. That was our first official boot camp. When we moved into the summer, there was a large group um, that could not do 5.30, and we opened an 8.45 a.m. session. So we got all the moms, once they dropped their kids at home or at school, they came back and they um, did their, their um, morning session. So that was also five days a week, um, Monday through Friday. And we went from um, approximately, I, I'd have to look at the books, but I wanna say that first camp, we probably pulled in about $9,000 in that month. And by the end of the summer, we were already up at $150,000 profit. Wow. Because the overhead for something like that is very, very low. And that was really the model I loved. Um, we have six beautiful months here in, in Wisconsin and people love to be outside. So with low overhead, um, a lot of the marketing we do with partnering with other local businesses, um, don't laugh, but my most successful marketing was door hangers. And I had, I paid some of my neighbor kids to walk around in the snow and put door hangers on, you know, a square, a big square mile. And it was, it was fabulous. So um, it was personalized. I got a lot of comments and compliments from the, you know, at home touch that they didn't have to go anywhere. They could just get the information, read it there. The website was already up and running. So, so it was a really neat first to market experience. Yeah, you touched on a lot of really, really key things there. Yeah. Um, market is huge, right? You could have, a, a honestly, a terrible entrepreneur in a great market, and you'll do great. Absolutely. Um, or you could have a great entrepreneur in a terrible market, and you won't do. Like, either way, the market wins, right? Yeah. And you yep. saw that, and that's really cool. Yep. Usually, the stories go against you of, like, I'm in a bad market, but I, I'm trying to get through. You're, you were the opposite, right? You were in a yep. good market, and but yep. you... You did it deliberately, right? It wasn't by chance. You did nope. your research and yep. you made that decision. And that's the advantages to that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I got to tell you, I think this is just from my personal experience. I think you have to know who you are. I know I'm a good follower. So if I have a recipe in front of me, I can follow that to a T. And what I'm going to make is going to be great. Going to a program where I didn't have to come up with it myself or follow somebody 
um, on the outskirts of what they were doing. I actually got in it, learned from who was doing it the best and having great success. I came away with pieces of paper in a binder that told you how to do every single step. It gave you, you know, phone numbers for suggestions of contacting people. If you just followed the plan and you followed through and you believed in what you had and your product and your service, there was no way to fail. There was mm -hmm. no way. No right. Way. Because, because, you know, the, the systems that developed the series of events that developed that binder, you didn't, those are the mistakes you didn't have to make. You didn't have to shell right. money. You didn't have to, you know, have spend to test those things. They were already proven, right? Proof of right. concept. Proven. There. He, he ran, so John Spencer Ellis, you can look him up online. He has an, uh, um, an entrepreneur company. He also has a number of different um, certifications. Um, Nesta is one of his uh, personal training certifications. He offers a huge array of great programs. He had been doing this as his first model. He created the, the model 15 years. He worked out the bugs already. So when I said I, I took some time to research, June to um, October, November is a long time, but that's how long it took me to really pick and choose and get into the, the, the nuts and bolts of what was out there. And remember at that point, there were not a lot of fitness boot camps or models like that out there. So um, that was one of the things that intrigued me about it. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned there that you know you had your binder, but then you made it your model. Did you make any changes to that before you started or in that first year? So I, in general, to answer that in general, I would say no. I looked at it. Of course, there's generic information. Contact this uh, park and rec group. Well, it doesn't say the Milwaukee Parks and Rec Department. So looking up the phone numbers and, you know, so that kind of thing becomes personalized for the city that you're in. But if I, when I try to go off, um, I noticed that I was meeting some dead ends. So in the very early stages, I experienced the positive success of just following the steps. Now, that being said, that was the first year. After that, we did start to um, experiment in other areas. Um, we started a co-ed evening camp. One of the things the model says is co-eds don't work well. Co-ed camps don't work well. There's a totally different dynamic between men and women. They work out differently. There's a competitive nature when you work out with a group of men versus a group of women who are more collaborative and supportive. But what we noticed is because of our location, because of our access to Lake Michigan and all of the parks that line Lake Michigan where we are in Milwaukee, the people that started to come out to those evening sessions, the co-ed sessions, for husband and wives, and they loved it. Because if you play together, you stay together. So that grew like gangbusters because of that aspect. Yeah, and I'm sure referrals started flooding in, right? Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah. And you have now, neighbors bringing neighbors in. You have you know, people saying on one end of, the, of the, the city, hey, you work over here. I have this great program. You need to come do it before you go go back home. And we got a lot of people um, that came to us that way because, you know, like anything else, your gym is probably the same way. If you don't live near it or you don't work near it, you're not really apt to get to it. Right. Convenience trumps Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, now from, from that point that you're talking about when you start introducing co-ed all the way up until let's say, let's, let's say like when COVID started becoming yeah. infiltrating and everything. Yeah. Um, Give us a little brief timeline there. 
So it's interesting because um, when we were really doing well, so I said that the first year we pulled in about 150,000. The second year we pulled in about $300,000. And for a fitness boot camp, that's all that we had. Um, that's a lot. Now, what I did was I enlisted other coaches. I taught them using the boot camp model that I learned. Um, and I started a camp in a suburb about 20 minutes west. And I started a camp in a suburb about 15 minutes south. So any given day, we had three boot camp locations. So think about the growth and the exponential numbers that three coaches could run versus just one coach. So I was running three sessions a day. Each coach was running one session a day. And they were personal trainers in their other areas. So that was a really good income for them. And then they go in to do their regular personal training work. For us, there was a very big push to run uh, boot camps all year round and keep the evening sessions. Because in the winter in Milwaukee, as you can imagine, when people go inside, it's very hard to get an indoor location that's available at an appropriate price um, for five or six months. So that's where we were struggling. And um, because we had such um, quick growth, we found a really good location and we started our own indoor facility. And so that was the Achieve Personal Fitness Facility. It was 8,000 square feet. Uh, we fully opened, we had huge industrial ceilings, really nice brick uh, walls. We did a full rubberized floor. Um, a full uh, complement of windows that ran east to west. So it was huge. Um, but you know, like anything else, Brent, people run into things that they don't plan for. For instance, we were paying cash for the whole build out. And our original contractor was jailed and then deported. And we were already $75,000 into $150,000 build out. So we had to pay to have the work not just corrected, but redone by a different contractor. So our $75,000 build out turned into $150,000 build out. That was a hard pill to swallow in the beginning, especially at a time when if you look back in the economy, 2009, 2010, there was a dip in the economy and that discretional income, because if you think about what we do, it's boutique, you know, it's a boutique facility. It's a boutique um, when you do semi-private and personal training. It's boutique when you talk about this type of, of fitness boot camp. So we struggled a little bit. We had a great following. We had a great, still unique offering. Nobody was doing small group. Nobody was doing semi-private. Um, I learned, I uh, went to California twice. Have you ever heard of Todd Durkin and his uh, Fitness Quest 10, his business mentorship program? In a general sense, yeah. Yeah, so I went out and worked with him for a week. Um, we went out to Rachel and Alan Cosgrove at Results Fitness in um, Santa Clarita, and we did their business mentorship. So I took what I learned originally from the bootcamp model, and I had to accept that if I wanted to grow in a different format than bootcamp was going to allow me, I had to learn how to do that. So I went and learned from people who were already doing it very, very successfully. So to start off that timeline that you asked me about, that's where we started. We jumped in. Um, those mentorships are not cheap, but if you think about the investment, I'm investing in myself, I'm investing in my company, 
I don't think you could have done it without that, unless you were really good in coming up with all those things on your own, which I don't think most people are. I think most personal trainers who want to start a business are good at personal training and not so much at running a business. Mm -hmm. I would say that was me. And I even have my master's degree in business, but it's different. So um, that's kind of where we were from 2010 to about 2014, 2015. Um, I got to a point when I had employees. Can we talk about employees now? Let's do it. Okay. So I, if I ever, Michael, my husband asked me, he said, if you were ever going to give anybody three points of, of um, information, if they ever said they wanted to do what I did, what would those three points be? The first one I would say is love what you do. You have to love it so much that even on the hard days, even on your non-motivated days, you go in and you are the superstar motivator and you do what you need to do for your clients. You have to do it out of love. The second thing is it has to be enough of a push and a pull to, to get you to keep fresh. I believe in variety and I never like to repeat a workout in the almost 15 years we've been running boot camps. I've never repeated a workout. So there's a lot of thought that comes into that. I think personal trainers, let's be honest, we're lazy sometimes. And they have a tendency to continue to do similar things. If they say, well, she's this population or he's this population, we're going to do this kind of programming. I'm going to include one regression and one progression and, you know, we're going to get this done. So, and then the third thing would be, you have to decide if you want to grow, you're going to have to have help. We needed to staff our studio because I did not want to be there from 5.15 AM to 7.15 PM. I didn't whether I was coaching or, or running the business. And it became very hard because I was doing a lot of it myself. So we hired a staff. Uh, we did a really good job, I thought, in the hiring process, um, really going through, again, my new binders from my two business mentorships with Todd Durkin and uh, Rachel and Alan Cosgrove, and followed that process on HR. And it was a lot of a lot because remember, I'm the personal trainer. I'm the, the, the star that everyone's coming to see. I'm who they want to work out with. And now I'm stepping back saying, you know what? I really need to train other people to replicate what I'm doing. It was a big struggle. Um, it was a struggle for me personally. It was a struggle for the, the clientele that had come with me all the way through the beginning years. Um, and managing people, which I'm sure you know, is a very challenging aspect to growing your business. And I have to tell you, I didn't, if you would ask my employees, I think they would have said, I did a great job. But I stepped back and I said, you know, I was an okay manager. I'm a great personal trainer and I'm a great coach. I was an okay manager. And I got to the point where I was sick of it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to baby. I didn't want to baby people. I didn't want to constantly, constantly correct what was already learned and I closed it. I closed the studio. So it was about six months into having 13 employees on a full-time basis or a semi-full-time basis. And uh, we closed and um, I went back to single coach. That's interesting. So a lot of things you touched on there. One is, I mean, you've really just gone through the natural evolution of business and entrepreneurship, like textbook, right? You started out in a niche started out with very little overhead. You were raking in all this profit. You wanted to grow. You expanded your niche. Uh, you added more overhead. Um, 
got more in the hole. You had the construction issues, which that is super common. And then of course you had to hire employees so that you can exponentially uh, influence more people, right? Compoundly. Um, and then all the struggles with staff. Yep. So then, and something you mentioned there about like this balance between uh, struggle and passion. Um, and, you know, that's, that's called really like a flow state, right? It's the balance between making sure something's hard enough that it's interesting, not uh, too hard that it becomes too difficult for you to try. But if it's not difficult enough, it's boring and, and you, don't, you don't have an interest in it. So if you get into that flow state of something being just hard enough that it interests you, that's where all the magic happens. Yeah. Um, and that's so, okay. So you, 13 employees then ended up basically just breaking and then just going back to ground, ground one with just yourself. Yeah, that was in 2015. Yeah, that was uh, that was 2015. I actually um, kept my fitness uh, boot camps. I took a little hiatus. I went back to school because I thought I would want to be a physician assistant. That was going to be my next thing. So I went through two and a half years of school. I still kept my fitness boot camps. Um, uh, personal training I couldn't do because I was already in my my classes. Uh, and then I got out of um, my prerequisites. And I uh, did my direct patient care hours for about six months. And I realized mm, I don't like sick people. So we decided to refresh and renew what I do like, which is working with healthy people and keeping them healthy and happy. Yep. So we um, kind of started over again. I wouldn't say over because we didn't lose a lot of clientele from that base um, income, which was the fitness boot camps. And I had a few personal training clients. My husband was still working his job full time. So it worked out very, very well. Um, I think the biggest struggle um, that I didn't touch on earlier and I wanna mention here is you probably see this on your end. If you are the sole owner, so it's built around my vision and I'm trying to replicate what I do that has worked so successfully with other people, other employees, other coaches, no one is going to be me. No one is going to be Coach Catherine. And to expect that I could do that is short-sighted. I got really good coaches. The training was top-notch. Um, uh, some of my graduated coaches have gone on to do other fitness-related things that are, are fantastic. They work with the city. Um, they do their own thing. So it's, it was a great start for them. I think my biggest problem was I was so tired, Brent, of doing everything all the time that I just broke. And I didn't do exactly what they originally tell you to do. You have to have the income and bring people on incrementally to avoid or to uh, be able to pay them, stash the money, and then incrementally bring on someone else. I was so done with doing everything. I brought in three people for admin. One of them was HR. I had five coaches. One was doing one session a day. So I made it worse on myself where if I would have just stepped back and said, okay, let me just bite the bullet. I'm going to buckle down. Let me give this one more year of just working, working my, 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 my fingers to the bone. But with the idea that once I step back, the income that comes in will be able to sustain what's happening right here so I can step back and continue to make money working on my business versus in my business. Mm -hmm. And I was working so much in my business, I, I thought I was going to break. Yeah. Sustainable growth is extremely important. You know, there's yeah. all this 
all this focus on growing, 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 and that's great, but you can, you can, you can see the other side of it and grow too much. And then the same, you know, different set of issues, but still issues come up yeah. and they are just as severe as yeah. not growing at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's interesting that, you know, you, again, the, 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 um, the growth of going from being an entrepreneur of, you know, just, you know, one woman show to then growing too much and uh, implementing staff too quickly. And I completely agree the way you're doing it or that you now are, we're going to do it in year, you know, year six or so where, you know, you are doing everything and then you need to very deliberately identify what is my best return on investment, but then also what is the easiest tasks to delegate that will not interrupt the mission and I'm going to hire for that specific thing, buy back some of my time, and then put that new time towards something else that's going to be the most, you know, return on investment. As deliberate as you did with the marketing research and, you know, deciding to do a boot camp, that's how 100%. deliberate you have to be when hiring staff as well. A hundred percent. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So it's funny because in hindsight, if I would ever do it again, I have so many different paths that I would take because you now know, now I know. Now I know what happens if you don't do X, Y, Z, or if you grow too fast and you don't make it a sustainable growth and you don't allow for that incremental movement. Mm -hmm. Now, one question that I have for you in that a hiatus there is that, did you still own the, the 8,000 square foot building and did you no, use so it? We, yeah, no, we did not. We actually surrendered that. Um, and as part of the surrender, we were uh, a year and a half out from our lease. So we had a five-year lease and we had a year and a half left. So we surrendered a great deal of equipment, which is a very humbling thing to do when you see this grand thing you've created and then to get out of a lease so you don't owe money, surrender a lot of the equipment. So we surrendered a lot of the equipment. Luckily, a biking group came in, so they were able to use some of that and the landlords that owned the space were able to transition. Um, but I gotta tell you, and it's very uncomfortable to talk about because and I think any owner would tell you this, it feels like a fail, but I don't think you can have experience without failure and you can't have success without experience. So there's that whole circle of life that you deal with over and over and over again. Now to that extent, I've never experienced like that something in my life ever, but I would never experience that again now knowing what I know. Yep, there's a lesson. You know, there's a takeaway. All right, so then uh, you decided to give it another shot. It was just you, then what? So we, I come back, I don't like sick people. I don't wanna work with them. We're gonna stay with healthy people. We refreshed and renewed our marketing for our, our boot camps. Um, at the height of boot camp, I would have about 50 women at a 5.30 a.m. session and about 40 at the 8.45. And that's just my location. So we um, were doing great, but now they're all gone. So now you have Orange Theory, who's down the road. All the moms who want to go work out together at 845 are now working out there. So we had to figure out, what are we going to do? So we still took the bulk of our clientele. We divided it into 530 and 645 AM. We have a group that's steadfast in the evening. So we do Tuesdays and Thursday evenings, um, which are a small group, and then build the personal training. Because the personal training is what was, I call it the mortar. So if you have these big um, uh, bulks coming in and groups, and then in between, what do you do? So I do personal training and I do nutrition consults. Um, I started doing lunch and learns at different corporations. 
Uh, I'm an IFBB figure professional, so I do a lot of um, posing help for people who are in the bodybuilding world. So there was a lot of things that were playing into it. Um, I got my nutrition specialist certification, so we started doing nutrition consults because people need help with that. So, so if you look at the big picture now, it's all supporting itself and it's a sustainable growth because only I can do it. And I'm making it where it's not too much, it's not too little, there's a limit I and mean, there's gonna be a ceiling. It's how much time in a day am I willing to devote unless I wanna hire somebody. My husband's a personal trainer as well now that he's retired and he does a lot of my overflow. So there's that, that one, two um, punch that we get that if I have a double book, I always have the outlet. Mm -hmm. I don't think one person, unless you live in New York and can charge $250 a session, I don't think it's, it's a model that you can grow very fast. Now, if you go online, that's our next step. We're gonna start doing some, some things online. Um, that is something that can be a nice passive income, but I don't think there's any other way to grow if you're just one person. Yeah, right. Yeah, you mentioned you know New York being able to charge whatever, yeah. and I mean business economics comes down to supply and demand. And yeah. you know if you are super popular and you have clients that are continuing to break, try to you know break through that ceiling, you can keep charging more and more and more because yeah. you know it'll balance out. Yeah. But you, you know there is going to be a ceiling to that, like you said. Now yeah. adding online is going to be a whole other set of pros and cons, as I'm sure you can imagine. Oh, yes. Um, when when you when you step into the online space you're now inviting the rest of the world to be your competition, right? It's not just Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a humbling experience, but you have a foundation, right? You, you already have right. an influence. You already have this right. group of people that know who you are right. and you can, you can just tap into that and have them start referring that maybe people just live outside of that drivable radius. Right. that's convenient, right. but now you can tap into online. Absolutely. And the thing I think that's um, also supporting that, Brian, we didn't talk about this. So um, as the business has aged, the clientele has aged with me. So my 35-year-old ladies are now 45, and we have about an 85% retention rate. So that's huge. There are people who have started from the beginning or close to the beginning who have come through full circle. They did semi-private, they do small groups, they do boot camps, they do personal training. So it's a, a kind of a fitness family that's been created. So it's a very strong core group. And I think that's where um, the challenge is going to come in. A, we're short timers here in Milwaukee. We have about another year and a half. We've purchased land in Tennessee. Um, I know I look very young and sprightly, but I'm 52, my husband's 62. So we're gonna be moving down there, but I have this whole group that is freaking out already. So my challenge is I am an in-person coach. My personality is in-person. My jokes are in person. It's all about the in-person experience. So I'm in a, in a position where I'm trying to figure out how do I transition that in-person personality to sustain my group here and then build something where, well, if I have a group here that values this, maybe what I do have is valuable enough that I can offer to nationwide. Mm -hmm. So we don't need everybody. You don't need everybody's a client. You don't need X amount of people. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. We just started the conversation. Mm -hmm. Got it. That, that's going to be an interesting road. And I think that yeah. that is expected to be the next chapter, right? Yeah. Um, now, okay. So it's you and just your husband. There's no other staff right now, correct? Correct. Okay. And I then, do have an admin person who lives in North Carolina. She'll do weekly newsletters. I try to keep time 
to give to myself that only I can do. If someone else can do something that only anyone, anyone can do, I try to piece that out. So she'll do some admin things, um, but um, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Got it. And now you don't have that building anymore. So where are you training? Yeah. So we just opened a studio. Um, I was doing a lot of work. We had a, a home here in, in Milwaukee and it allowed us to have a studio in home. Okay. So we moved that once we moved, um, we're in the transition instead of moving to Tennessee. And we now have a brick and mortar in um, the north uh, suburb of Glendale, just north of Milwaukee. And we're in the mall there. So we have a nice 3,000 square foot, beautiful open space there that we are running all of our sessions. Indoor boot camps when it's cold, um, indoor personal training, and that will be all year round. Uh, we're going to revive our semi-private training again. And uh, we do our small group training there as well. Mm-hmm. Got it. Now, is there ever any options to bring in more staff for coaches or is that door closed and you just want to be you and your husband forever? So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, if I was going to be here longer, Brent, maybe. I don't know if, I, and I'm telling, I'm speaking out of um, really no, no knowledge. I haven't done any research on it. I haven't even spoken about it. Um, maybe, maybe that's the case. I probably could get a fair share of clientele to sustain a later morning session. Um, if there are, is a personal trainer who is looking for a space, I don't think it would be a situation where they would come on board as an employee. I think it would be more of a, here's my space you personal trainer XYZ already have your business, but you have no space to work out of. Mm -hmm. So they would rent space from where I am and just do their own personal thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's more of what at this point, since we're short timers here that I would be more comfortable with. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Now um, we are coming to the end of our time here, but I do want to touch on a few more things. Um, So your, your business right now, um, I would like to dive into the client like acquisition sales marketing process. Um, yeah. you know, what, you know, what are you doing right now to continue to maintain? Cause you, you mentioned your retention is good, right? 85%. Yeah. Was that, yeah. is that 85% per month per year? Yeah. Per year. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you lose 15% so, of your, your members on a yearly yeah. basis. That's yes, good. That's yes, great. Yes. Um, okay. So what are you doing in the acquisition process? To yeah. So that's a very good question. Uh, during this COVID time, yeah. we actually stopped all of our our marketing. We closed our budget and this was client driven. Um, I don't know about other cities. I know everyone has their own story about this, but once COVID hit, uh, Milwaukee was locked down. So we were closed for three months. Now during that time period, I sent out weekly workouts. I sent out weekly videos to let people know, Hey, I'm here. We're just not together. Make sure you keep your boot camp legs about you. Here are the workouts. Um, and then we were outside in May of 2020 and bringing people back uh, was a very slow process because you have um, different viewpoints on where people should be when we're in COVID. So we decided through a lot of discussions through the base clientele that we would not change our social bubble. So we did not do any marketing. We did not bring new people on. And luckily with that 85% retention rate, we had that very strong group that maintained. So that was great. We didn't really lose a lot of money. Any client that we lost worked them themselves out because it's group fitness and in group fitness, you're together, whether you're inside or outside. So um, 
they worked themselves out and we just moved forward. We had uh, partnered again with a local space. Um, it was a, a closed space in the mall here. A lot of places went out of business. So they had open space and they were really very much uh, working with people like me who would be able to come in and at least give them some amount of rent for that, that, um, that time period. So for the past two years, we have only been doing our newsletter. We are just now talking about a reactivation marketing plan. Um, and um, my, my husband and I are gonna be on vacation next week, but that's on our list for a quarterly meeting um, to roll into, hey, even though we're here for another year and a half, we have something special. It works, people need it, and let's build this up again. So that's kind of where we are right now. What are we gonna do? How, what does that marketing plan look like? What does the budget look like? So um, super exciting, it kind of, reminds me about the beginning. It's like mm -hmm. the beginning excitement again. Yeah. That's kind of where we are. Yeah, got it. Awesome. So now in the past, when you did do marketing, was it paid like social media marketing or something else? No. So we started before social media was even a thing. So we did a lot of, I call it shotgun marketing. Um, we did radio ads. Okay. We did um, um, newspapers. We did flyers. We did um, the, the, um, so in Milwaukee, there's little villages and, and suburbs. They each have their own thing, whether it's an online newsletter. So we became part of that. We did a lot of silent auctions with special groups. Uh, we were doing 20 silent auction items and you can get that out and see that. Um, so referrals were and still are our best marketing tool. Get people talking about it, bring somebody in. We do free friends and families one Saturday a month. So you get people to try it out because, you know, when you say boot camp, people get scared. They think it's all military oriented. So um, it's still for us, you know, um, getting it out there and letting people know, talking to our clients again, getting them talking about it, reactivating our current clientele. It's easier to get somebody reactivated than it is to spend money on trying to get people who don't even know what you do. So that's kind of where we are right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have never really seen success with paid social media. No. Okay, so that's going to be the difference, right? I'm, and I'm very excited about it. That's it's on our list to to, yeah. to, to dive into. Yeah, because that's really, I mean, you know, with the gym owners that I see and myself included, it's really that's the only thing that's effective anymore. Radio okay. ads, TV, newspaper, yep. Yep. all terrible. And that's it's exactly awesome that. now because it's so measurable and it's so easy to see a return on investment. Yeah. You, can, you know, I spend $50 a day you know exactly how many eyeballs are catching that, yep. you know, how many people, you, you know, leads you're capturing, you know, how many yep. people are walking in the door, how many people yep. are selling yep. and you could easily just, okay, I'm spending X, but I'm getting Y. It's, it's not a matter of how do I market anymore? It's a yep. matter of how many people do I want and I'll just spend yep. this money. Exactly. Who do you, who do you do yours through? Yeah. So Jim launch is the company that, that I use. Okay. Have you, have you ever heard of them? No. Uh -uh. Okay. Are they, are they East coast company or is it nationwide? Um, they're out of Austin, Texas. Um, okay. but they're, they're all over uh, us okay. Canada. Okay. But yeah, I mean, we can actually talk about that afterwards if you want. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, so social media is definitely the name of the game now. Um, that's going to make or break uh, companies moving forward. So that's going to be very interesting for you to get into as well. As I'm super business. excited about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, cool. So now, yeah, you mentioned uh, referrals. That's absolutely the gold standard, right? That's the only type of marketing that is exponential, right? That you have two referrals and then turns into four, turns into eight, turns yeah. to 16. The rest are just very linear. Yeah. Um, so that's always, and that's a good measuring uh, tool of how good your business really is. Because if you have yeah. no referrals, what's the point of marketing get people in if they're going to leave in droves? Right? Well, you know, early on, like I said, when we were first to market, I did a lot of community outreach. So I did a lot of grocery shopping tours 
on how to shop at the grocery store to have your healthiest choices and how you do that. We did a lot of lunch and learns at bookstores. So we did a lot of personal outreach. And from groups that were coming in, 30 and 40 people, you get five or six that are interested. And if those become two or three conversions, mm -hmm. you know, for no money that I had to spend, just my time, that's a really good, again, community type um, outreach and, and um, soft marketing plan, which I, I really enjoyed. Because again, I'm that in-person person. Right. So, um, but yeah, so that was very, very successful. But I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to, to take that personality side and use social media and see what that does for us. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So usually the, the uh, place I always like to end is just looking at goals. And we, we did talk about that a little bit, right? Yeah. Online. Um, paid marketing. Is there anything else that you have on the agenda for the next, you know, three to six months or so? You know, it's, it's very general. There's no specific, but we, like I said, we haven't had our quarterly um, meeting yet. So when we get back from vacation next week, that will be our quarterly meeting, setting our goals. Um, I think it's just at this point, not trying to become too big for our britches while we're here for the short time that we're here. As you know, people become very close with their personal trainers. And what I don't want to do is create this huge fill my schedule, personal training schedule, and then say, oh, you know what? I got to go. I'm moving. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to be very mindful about being open about what we're our short time. But at the same time, there's still people that need to be helped. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out how do you take that and marry it to that so it works. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we are. Yeah, perfect. And I'm sure you yeah. will figure it out because you've gotten yeah. this far, right? Yeah. Awesome. All right, Catherine. Um, I do appreciate you uh, and taking the time out of your day to be on the podcast. It was really a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Now, if anybody wants to find out more about you guys, or maybe they live in drivable distance, or yeah. maybe you happen to you know, pop online and they can join yeah. in, uh, where should they go to learn more about you? AchievePersonalFitness.com. Okay. You got yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Catherine. And for our audience out there, if you guys found value from this podcast, uh, you can click the subscribe button uh, so you know when new episodes are aired. And if you're a gym owner and you want to be featured on this podcast, you can apply by clicking on the link in the description. Until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.